following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. And you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and with your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you, will, you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is in all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, so we're going to be looking at the passage that uh, Lori read for us, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17. And this is actually a follow-up from last week. So last week, uh, Easter Sunday, which was two-parter, we on the Friday we looked at, that was the end of our series, Just Like Us, we looked on Friday at how Jesus actually became like one of us, really and truly. Uh, not in any kind of illusionary way or fake way. And as a full human being, he experienced what we as humans experience, except for sin in his life, that uh, he did not share that aspect of our human experience, except he took upon himself all the consequences of that sin. And and that, that's really important for what we're going to be talking about today and actually, and God willing next week as well, as I've entitled this, Heavenly People. So Jesus became like one of us so that we could be like him. We saw last Sunday that not only is his resurrection the most remarkable thing that's ever happened, the that resurrection reality has now been placed inside each one of us if we truly trust in him. We are filled with the power of the resurrection. 
and we're going to see this a little more if you didn't notice it already when it was when it was read that there's a reality of resurrection that we experience now and i i started um thinking about how uh, last week it's its own kind of extraordinary miracle that the power of jesus resurrection could dwell in in the inside people who unlike jesus still deal with the sin issue and so we we just had our confession we do that every week and admitting that we do not meet god's standards in what we do and what we not and, we, and what we don't do um we don't we don't reach a standard we still fail we we fail in so many ways we are weak human beings we have not become fully like him which will happen if we know him we'll become completely like him when he when he returns but until then we still struggle with the old nature that's something that jesus didn't have to do and that kind of tension of the fact that we are still in our old bodies um and yet possess the power of the resurrection at the same time that creates a certain kind of tension and it's a tension that we need to address because we are people of the resurrection not simply anticipating it but experiencing it in a in a very real way now and so we can call ourselves heavenly people and and the thing about being heavenly people it isn't and you know the scripture talks about our citizenship being in in heaven and i've talked about this before and and there's the thought that heaven is our real home that the material world is our alien place that's not what the bible teaches the world as it is today in its sin cursed state that's alien to god's actual plans and purposes for the creation the bible anticipates a new heavens and a new earth where the new jerusalem will descend from heaven and come down to earth where his people from all over the na- all the nations of the world will will uh wor- will worship him and we get little glimpses of what that's like i don't think we can ever fully understand it because there will be this major transformation that will happen at the lord's return but in the meantime in a real sense the we've received it's the bible refers to it like a down payment it's a real first taste it's, and it's not just a taste it's not like a basket and robin's taste spoon uh, a little tiny taste of the reality of the age to come but that we have been endowed in a very real way with with the the life of the age to come and so as heavenly people that's what we are now not in its fullness but in a very real way now we are the people of heaven on earth representing the true king who will one day come and fully reign over over the over this planet over the universe and so let's let's look at this passage and see how this works out because i mentioned there's a tension and it it deals this passage deals with this tension 
So Paul starts off in this chapter, if then you have been raised with Christ. We've talked about that already. It's a, that is a reality now. We've been raised with Christ. And, and he's going to talk about if, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, and so Paul had in this in this letter has been talking about it in, in chapter 2 verses 11 and 12 he wrote in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and, and one thing about this so in baptism Paul is saying we put off the body of the flesh obviously doesn't mean that our our uh, uh, our skin and 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 muscles and tendons and, and etc have been ripped off um that's pretty disgusting that's not what he that's not what he's talking about there's a, when he talks about the flesh he's talking about the sinful human nature that's been put off through our baptism now it's important to realize that when Paul is talking to people about their baptism, he's talking like some some very high percentage, if not a hundred percent, he's talking to first generation believers. These are people who turned from their old life away from God to their life to God. So when he's talking about people who have been baptized, he's talking about people who have come from, mostly in this case in, Col- in Colossae, um, a pagan background and have personally turned to Jesus in faith. And, and, and the faith is so important in that. Um, so he's talking to people who came to believe and were baptized. And that's the way it was done in the first century. You believed and were baptized. It wasn't... there. You know, there wasn't confirmation classes. Um, there wasn't, uh, you know, for people who come to the, in, in many churches, I'm getting my thoughts together here. So in many churches, if you're a brand new believer, you have to go through all sorts of, of kind of initiation before they would even consider you as a candidate for baptism. That's not how it was done. You believed and you were baptized. That was all part of the initial initiation. So when I was almost 19, um, and I knew nothing about Jesus, and I said a prayer to invite Jesus into my life, and I, I confessed my sins for the first time ever. If this would have been the first century, I also would have been baptized. And so that's all to say, when he's talking to people about their baptism, he, it's it's completely interconnected with their faith. So he's talking to people who've come to believe and were baptized. And that experience, like circumcision, removes something. It, and in this case, what it removes is the is the is the sinful our sinful human nature. And so, in a very real way, a death occurs, but not a complete death completely. It's a death to something, and then a new life occurs. Hope I explained that well. Um, what I'm gonna when we have our fellowship time afterwards, anybody who wants to join us, and if you're watching on YouTube. You could join us on on uh, Zoom afterwards if you're able to, and if you want to. And if, if this isn't clear, I'd be happy to clarify it. So um, Paul says something similar in Romans 8, 9 through 11. He says, "You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. 
But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And so he's talking about the body being dead. Now, of course, the body isn't dead. He's referring to it in some sort of metaphorical but very real way that the old person who didn't know God, who lived a life of unrighteousness, whose life was defined by sin, that person is dead. And then the spirit gives life to mortal bodies, deadly bodies, dying bodies. If he raised uh, Jesus from the dead, he lives in us, we too are raised. This is almost impossible to completely explain. But... We need to catch really what, what he's saying here. There's a very, rea- we are resurrected people. So our connection to the Messiah creates a state for us where it's as if we've already taken part in the future resurrection. Therefore, back to verse one of chapter three of Colossians started, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And so Paul is saying here that If this is our state, we've died and we've been raised with the Messiah, then we should have a particular focus. Verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. We're to have a heavenly mindset versus an earthly mindset. Now, we might be thinking that, and and I've I remember thinking this uh, early days reading this passage, you know, think about heaven, think about God, 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 as if that's what this means. I don't think so. And we'll see that as we go along, that there's there's a, there's a he- heavenly thinking versus earthly thinking. And you could think about earth in a heavenly way. And, and that's some where we're going here. Verse 3, for you have died, there it is again, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. There's that deep, there's this connection. So something has died, it's gone, and our life is wrapped up in Jesus. And then we'll appear with him in glory when, when he appears. And note, like this in glory isn't something that happens when we are sent out away somewhere to some heavenly realm, but it occurs when he uh, reveals himself again to the earth and we will all be transformed into his likeness. So let's see what Paul says, what else to do. He already told us we should have a heavenly mindset. I'll talk a little bit more about what that actually is. It'll become clearer with some the other things that he says. So verse five, he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. So I've alluded to this already. Why put to death if if we're already dead? So a lot of people think, and, and I've thought this too, that if I have a genuine relationship with the Lord and I've experienced the death of my sinful nature, and I've been raised with him, and his resurrection power lives in me, shouldn't his life just naturally ooze out from me? Shouldn't it become natural to be a godly person? Well, not according to Paul. And and Robin shared with everyone 
that the Word of God tells us um, both what to think and what to do. And in order to do what God calls us to do, this gets really, get this, we have to do it. And there is a tendency to think we don't really have to do anything because we're, we're saved by faith, not by works, right? And so there's this sort of non-doing that that's the impression that we're given and the and the kind of the more we don't really do we don't try uh we don't strive we don't 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 and we just kind of trust then everything will ooze out of us naturally well paul doesn't teach that the very person who really rams home we're saved by faith and not by works is the same person that's, that tells us to Put to death, therefore, what's earthly in us. And so living a godly life doesn't happen naturally. It requires radical action. Like put to death. It's When something's alive, it's really hard to put it to death. Um, I, I, I love the, the, the slogan on, on, I don't know if it's still on raid cans, you know, to kill bugs, you know, it's flies. It kills bugs dead doesn't just kill bugs it kills them dead and like hey <laughs> so there's a sense that our 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 earthly nature is dead but we got to kill it dead because it, it's somehow for something that's dead it seems to kind of act as if it's alive and so this is confusing this is, this is very confusing telling us that something's dead and but we still have to put it to death well, it, it's, it's, it's as if there's the remnants of it that's still around. That while on one hand it's been executed, our, our earthly nature has been executed, yet it's still, there's still these remnants. I don't know, kind of like, a, I don't know, like living dead. I don't, I don't, know, I, I don't know fully how to explain it. All I, all I have is what, what we're told here. That even though this part of us is dead and the reality of Jesus' life lives, lives in us, we still need to deal with the fact that those the remnants of our sinful life continues to pop up. And every time it pops up, we need to bash it down. So what is earth? What are the earthly things that we're, you know, we're supposed to put to death what's earthly in us. What are the earthly things? Well, he gives us these two lists. And it appears that these two lists are actually, several, in each list, there's several words that actually are talking about the same thing in, in each of these two lists. Uh, some would want to break down each and everything that Paul says here, but he might be, in a sense, kind of spewing out as he's dictating this orally to somebody who's writing it down, and he's doing this list as, as a very in, in, like an intense way to tell people to, to stop doing two different kinds of behaviors. The first one has to do with sexual immorality, the second one has to do with bad speech. And so this first list that's where he says, you put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, it could be referring to some other expressions of, of, of these things, but it, it does seem that they're linked together to ram home that these believers were still engaging in various forms of sexual immorality, which were rampant in that society, which are rampant in our society. Sexual immorality is everywhere. The temptations are everywhere. 
including in us. And we need to deal with that seriously. Paul says, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, sorry, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. Now, if he's saying you used to walk in them when you were living in them, why is he telling them not to do it? It's very clear that these behaviors were still happening among these believers. Because he's not talking about them out there who don't know the Lord. But what he is doing is he's trying to show them that there's a way of life for the non-believer and a way of life for the believer. And so now that you are believers, get rid of these things. Of course, if they're not present in your life, you're not going to get rid of them. But if they are present in in our lives, we need to kill them dead. And to realize that these are the things that that bring the wrath of God. And they're not they don't only bring the wrath of God at that final judgment. They bring the wrath of God now in so many different ways. They are so dangerous. They are so destructive, not only to ourselves, but to our families. And they cannot be hidden. We've seen that through great Christian leaders recently who thought they could get away with things like this in secret. But God, if you do not, you and I do not deal with sexual immorality in our lives and whatever that expression is. And of course, one of the most prevalent forms is pornography today. If we do not deal with this, then um, God will shout it from the rooftops. We will be found out. And remember, this is not just about you. This is about everyone you are connected with. We must deal with this. I have a young friend. I can talk about this publicly because he's gone publicly with it. So I have a young friend in Toronto. Um, I met him when I was speaking at a Christian camp some years ago. And um, he was abused as a very young child. And the effects of that um, resulted in very bad behavior along these lines. I'm trying not to be graphic uh, on purpose. Um, and he was entrapped, particularly by pornography and other other um, manifestations of sexual sin. He got married to a woman he still loves, and they're still and they're still together. And yet, he could not get control of of this. And he's doing much better now. Um, because he's gotten real, he's gotten serious, and he's got a very good counselor. Um, that uh, so my kids know this this man, and I connected him with with him. And uh, my young friend has a podcast, and he talked about in one episode he talked about his his sexual addictions, and in the following episode he interviewed the counselor that he's seeing, and um, both of them are very powerful, and especially um, for people that don't know him personally, the the one with the counselor was excellent, and I could send that to anybody who is interested. It's, we need to get serious about this. And the other one, he says, but now you must also put them away, all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. So the second category, the first category is sexual sin. The second, cat, second category is bad use of our mouths, which is too common. And we often think, oh, I don't do this, I don't do that. But some of the ways we use our mouths has to go. It has to go. 
Do not lie to one another, verse 9, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices. There it is again. Because of the state that we were in, therefore, we need to get rid of these things and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And one of the beautiful things, one of the things that should be happening in the life of a believer is before we knew the Lord, we did things like this and often it it didn't bother us at all. Then we come to know the Lord and our conscience begins to come alive and it begins to get pricked and we begin to feel bad. That's good. That's good. That's us coming alive. But still, that while there might be some things, like I know when I first came to the Lord, there were things, sinful things that I was doing disappeared. It, it, it just cast out of my life. But then other things have been more difficult to deal with. And uh, we need to deal with them. And um, and the speech one is a big one. We need to be very careful with how we how we talk, how we talk about other people. There's right ways to address things. There's wrong ways to address things. Speech can be so destructive. And and it's interesting that he speaks about sexual sin and speech as the two biggies. Well, the devil used speech to. Uh, lure Adam and Eve away from God. Speech is so powerful. God created the world with his speech. We need to deal with this. And we need to deal with it now. But you know, notice what's not here when he says, uh, the, the, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. Put And he says, put to death what is earthly in you. Notice what's not here. Eating. You know, certain kinds of eating are sinful. But he... He doesn't say, stop doing your your business, stop being a salesman, stop being a a tech support person. He doesn't say that. He He doesn't say anything negative about marriage and family life. He doesn't say anything negative about recreation. Loving, loving the nature. Like the, our daffodils came out the other day. I find that they're the happy flowers. And to stop and look at those, how wonderful that is. And so he's often we think to not be earthly minded is not to care about the creation, not to care about uh, good human endeavors. He's not using earthly in that sense. He's using earthly to speak about the sinful, cursed part of human life that we're supposed to forsake. And, and then how to live a good godly life in the midst of, of here. So, you know, a lot of people think being heavenly is just being otherly minded, longing for that day that we're with the Lord and, 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 and forsaking everything about life. But some of us are running away from the things of earth and that could be rebellion against God. Uh, so now let's go to, we're going to actually quickly look at the at verse 12 uh, to, through verse 17 because we're going to come back to it. I'll explain in a second. So, so not only we're supposed to put away certain things, we're supposed to put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So again, these are things we're supposed to do. They don't come naturally. We're supposed to stop certain behaviors 
and adopt other behaviors. We need to put to death evil that's still in our lives. And then we need to engage goodness and learn to do uh, good behaviors. Now we do it coming out of a life of faith in God. We we can't uh, um, just, you know, uh, put on the right mindset and we're going to do this. We're going to find ourselves having difficulty with this. And so that's why we confess our sins. That's why we keep going to God. That's why we keep looking to him with the result of forsaking the bad and pursuing the good. And so this is what it means to seek the things that are above. The things that are above are not just thinking about what heavenly reality might be. It's about loving the things that God loves and doing the things that God loves as we forsake the things that he hates. Now, I don't know if you noticed just now, I skipped verse 11. It says, here there is not Greek, Greek, sorry, start again. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And he deals with that before he gets into that section I just read about the good behaviors. And so what I want to do is next time, God willing, I'm going to look at this important element of what Paul is saying, which is the coming together of the nations in Jesus. And that's part of this glorious thing in, in, in experiencing the death of our, of our sinful human nature and being endowed with the power of the resurrection. Now we are able to come together, all sorts of nations like we have in our fellowship, and experience the presence, love, uh, and love of God, and live out a life with people that are actually very different from ourselves, culturally and so on. And through the resurrection power of Jesus, we can have a community that that resembles what God always wanted human beings to be, but was wrecked because of sin. And he is rebuilding his kind of unity among his people. There have been all sorts of attempts at Christian unity. And some of it I think of just as another Tower of Babel in our own strength that kind of pursuing God's unity in our own way. I believe there's a way to pursue God's unity in our own fellowship, God's way, and see some beautiful things happen. Even during this COVID time, even while we are small, it doesn't matter. We have an opportunity before God to reflect the resurrection life that's been given to us because of what Jesus has done for us and to see it, um, to see the fruits of that in our multi-ethnic, multicultural community of ours. We have this wonderful opportunity and I look forward with God's help to sharing uh some of what I believe he's shown me with regard to how we could live this out together. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for, again, for your word. We thank you that it's power-packed with your truth. Thank you that it's challenging. Sometimes it's really hard to understand. But we thank you for the truth that's here in this passage, that there's a life that has that was part of us that has now died, and now the life of your son lives in us. And thank you that you've called us into the process of seeing the the effects of our old way of living 
truly destroyed and living out the goodness which has been given to us as a gift through your son. And we look to you that you would show us how to do that in these days. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca. Thank you.